1: what is up everybody welcome to striking gold it's a brand new 49ers podcast on the growing blue wire network uh, my name is rob Lauder. i cover the 49ers for ninersnation.com and joining me is my partner in crime my co-host someone whom i'm going to be doing these with Every single time, Uh, none other than Eric Crocker. How you doing, man?
2: (laughs) Man, I'm doing good. It actually kind of feels good to be back home, you know, after being in San Jose for a while. But, um, you know, we got to take in a bunch of training camp practices and, you know, see how the team is doing. And, you know, bring this podcast to them to kind of, you know, go over that and give our perspectives of, you know, training camp practice is something that uh, a lot of fans actually got to watch, but, you know, not everybody. So um, I'm just happy to kind of be able to bring that insight. And, you know, we were kind of shoulder to shoulder most of the time there and kind of talking about what we see. So, yeah, I'm excited to kind of be able to bounce, you know, just different things off of each other right now.
1: Right. So Crocker and I have been – I've been at training camp since day one, and Crocker showed up on day two, Correct. Correct. Okay, so yeah, we've been there for essentially since the start of training camp. There's been four practices. Two of them to kick off training camp were without pads and the last two have been with it, have been with pads, which changes things up quite a bit. And we'll get into that in a little bit. And now just to kind of kind of set the scene, I guess you could say. And and Crocker feel free to jump in whenever, but your your 49ers practice at least from what we see when we first walk through the gate Cause we have to be escorted out there. We're not allowed to just walk out there because who knows what we would do if we did that. So we get escorted out there. And when we kind of get in there, they're doing like their walkthroughs, like all the, like the positions are kind of separated amongst themselves and they're kind of, I'm assuming going through and Crocker, you obviously you've been in these things. So if you have any, anything to interject, let me know, but
2: it it looks like early outs. So um, what early outs are is, you know um, you know, when I play pro ball, Early outs, you you go out about 15 minutes before practice starts and you kind of just go over different things that you want to go over, whether it's a certain technique, whether it's some footwork or whether it's a coverage with maybe a few other teammates that know it better than you do. So early outs is just an opportunity to kind of just go over some, you know, last minute things and to make sure that you're, you know, as well prepared for practice as could be.
1: Right, and the coaches, if they know anything new, they've probably already gone over it, but if there's anything new coming their way, coming to the players throughout practice, they'll go over it Them, they'll kind of just make sure everybody's, they don't, what they don't want is, what most people don't realize is NFL practices are so incredibly stringent when it comes to the schedule, like there is almost zero wasted time. And that's because like the CBA and they're only allowed to practice so many hours. um, They're only allowed to be in pads so often, all that stuff. So NFL practices are incredibly organized when it comes to the time management. So the moment that horn rings, they start their stretches, they do all their stretches. Now, one thing different about the stretches this year for the 49ers is in the past, they've just had these big lines with about 10 people per line, and they kind of just all do the same stretch together. They'll go from like one end zone to the 50-yard line, 40-yard line, whatever it is. This year, they've broken them up into two different groups, and each group, depending on what their position is or what side of the ball they play on, they do something a little different. And I know that's kind of uh, Ben Peterson, who's the head of player performance. I think that's a new thing he brought with him. And it, it seems to work nice in the fact that Stretching now takes, or are you getting warmed up? Stretching, whatever takes about half the time. You know, if you think about it, if you're doing, if both groups are doing the same thing, then doing it all together as one group, then it should take half the time. You seeing the the same thing there, Croc?
2: Yeah, you know, but I I think more than anything with you know just the stretching, this time, you know, they have the hype uh, player. There's always a rookie who goes into the crowd and hypes everybody right. up. Um, so I think with stretching, everybody really looks forward to seeing who's going to, what rookie is going to hype up the team. And, you know, today, today, I believe it was Debo Samuel and 57, Dre Greenlaw. So, you know, it was pretty cool. You had everybody, they were going into the stands, swag surfing with everybody. They had the music going. It was cool, man. I was like, dang, this is a lot of energy for day four of of training camp, you know, because by day four, everybody's ready for that that day off. And um, I I thought they brought the energy. They were hyped. Yeah, they were high man, hired. they brought the energy. Everybody was dancing. You had like a bunch of players in line dancing with each other. Um it was really cool. I was like, "You know what? It's going to be a it's going to be a good day." And it was a good day for the defense. Not so much for the offense, but we'll kind of get into that.
1: Right. No, I, I think I saw the same thing. And and we were, you and I were both walking to that side of the field because the 49ers have two identical practice fields and they just bounce back and forth between them. And that's to help the grounds crew, you know, take care of the grass. If you just practice on the same field every time, it, it would get run down pretty quickly. So me and Aaron Crocker were walking to the far practice field and we were walking right by the defense and they were just Losing their minds, you know, they are playing, you know, playing good music and they were just dancing. And, and it, you could just tell that at least for the defensive side of the ball, they were bringing some energy. So they do stretches. And then after stretches, they all break into, I think, before they get into individual drills or everyday drills, they do like a special teams period where – Off on one side of the field, the punters punting to, you know, the the punt returners or the kick returners. And then on one side of the field, they're working on, you know, who the gunners are on special teams, where everybody lines up. And they're all working on their different forms. You seeing the same thing?
2: Yeah. You know, so, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, standard. Uh, Kind of go over some, you know, quick walkthrough of some special teams things um, until they break up into individual drills.
1: Right. So individual drills. Every player group goes to their like separate side of the field. The cornerbacks and the defensive backs were real close to the to the crowd today, and the crowd was loving that. You know, and everybody's got like their corner of the field where everybody's working on their own thing. And once everybody gets done with their individual drills, for example, like a, a wide receivers and quarterbacks, they do their drills together. They just run routes on air and work on their release. They'll work on their releases. They'll work on their footwork, and then they'll work on routes on air with the quarterbacks. And once they're done with that. Um, at least for the past two Pratted practices, they move into one on ones, which is probably the more exciting portion of practice. I mean, team drills, eleven on elevens, is cool too, but one on ones is kind of you know where every player likes to test their mettle. You know, it's just you versus one other guy. Um, so they do one on ones. The receivers will go against the cornerbacks. Uh, the tight ends will go against the safeties. Uh, the running backs will go against the linebackers, and the offensive linemen will go against the defensive line. And so uh, what do you think of one-on-one, scrock is, uh, is that your favorite?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, with one-on-ones, it's set up uh, – with the receivers and defensive backs, it's set up for the receivers to win. Uh, you know, there's no pass rush. The quarterback can kind of wait to throw the ball, and he can really just pick a spot where he wants to throw it. You know, there's no help. There's no safety or anything. It's just your corner. It's just the receiver. And, you know, as far as the offensive line and defensive line, I think it's the – D-line, I believe, that has the advantage, especially early on in training camp from what I've been told. So, yeah, that's just kind of how that whole thing is kind of set up. But it's supposed to be set up for the receivers to win, but they've been getting their ass whooped. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd say most days the, the receivers have kind of gotten the – or at least the last two days when they started doing it, the receivers kind of got the short end of the stick on the, on the whole uh, one-on-ones thing. But I, I thought today the receivers did better. Yesterday it was just a complete domination. Yesterday which was the, you know, day 3, uh was a complete domination just by the defensive backs and it took a while for the offense to even get get a completion. But you know, it's just it's just cool to kind of just see them compete and see different guys skill sets and things that they kind of struggle with at least, you know, man on man, you know, I have to beat the guy across from me. Um I was able to kind of see just, you know, just different things where Say, uh, you know, Jalen Hurd, okay, okay, he might struggle with this. He doesn't have maybe the speed to take the top off of a defense. So, you know, just how he has to win, you know, I'm able to kind of identify that through one-on-ones. You know, same with guys like Richie James, who damn near, you know, he made one of my tweets go viral, right? And just seeing how he was able to create separation and push the defensive back vertically, the defensive back had to worry about that. He sat it down. Come back. I mean, the defensive back kept going upfield.
1: He sat it down. He sat it down. Like that's one of the lowest. Yeah, I've like, ever like seen he was sitting no in the chair. Hit. Right. That was so impressive. Yeah, he, he
2: damn near kissed his knee. He right. damn near kissed his knee. Like that's how low he snapped down. But you know, just to see that and it's like, okay, that's a that's a very unique skill set because you know we don't have a lot of receivers that one have the ability to either run by you. And, and if they do, they typically can't snap down as well as Richie James did. So Richie James has some unique things to offer him. Um, a lot of those things kind of carried over to team as well.
1: Right, right. So that's individual drills. And then the last portion of practice, there is like a little break in between they do it is when they break into team drills they do 11 on 11s sometimes they'll throw in 7 on 7s before they get to 11 on 11s you know maybe they'll do like a 7 on 7 period in the red zone stuff like that but for the last two periods of practice there's been zero 07 on 7 because that kind of leaves the offensive uh, and defensive line to kind of do their own thing so it's been nothing but team drills and they'll do that to kind of close out practice and that's usually back and forth uh, sometimes they will throw in a move that usually the ball doesn't move they kind of just all run their plays, you know, and then the the second string uh, players will come in then the third string players will come in and the ball usually doesn't move. There's referees there calling penalties that they think they see, um, kind of marking where they think the ball would be because it's it's also a practice for them too. You can walk up to them and, and there's like, you know, there'll be like a senior referee kind of coaching guys up, stuff like that. So they do the 11-on-11s. And sometimes they'll throw in a move-the-ball period. Sometimes they'll throw in like a red zone period where they start on the 20, work their way in. And that's usually how practice practice concludes with, with your team drills and kind of the closest training camp can get to real football type of stuff. So I figure – we will start. What we, what me and Croc are going to do is, we're going to work our way down through the entire roster. Um, not necessarily every single player, but we're going to hit all the players that we kind of feel we need to talk about. That kind of feel like they, we need, they've have done something worth mentioning. Whether that's good, whether that's bad, we'll get there. Hopefully, you guys can't hear the uh, airplane flying over. If you haven't been to Levi Stadium. I'm staying very close to it. Uh, it's right underneath the airport, so there's constantly airplanes flying over. But before we get to the roster, a couple of little uh, little news, little I don't know housekeeping, I guess you could say. Guard Josh Garnett, former first round pick, he has a dislocated finger, and that has kept him out of the last two practices. Uh, we'll get to kind of more on that later. I'm just breaking this stuff down, and then we'll, we'll get to the roster. Jimmy Ward. Safety, corner, defensive back, kind of can play everything. Um, He was activated off the pup list after breaking his collarbone uh, earlier in the offseason. Now, he was activated, but he wasn't even uni- in uniform today. He was just kind of uh, – when you're on the pup list, you can't do anything. Like you're not allowed to participate in practice whatsoever, not even in walkthroughs or any of that. So they activated him off the pup list so at the very least, he can start participating in these walkthroughs, and eventually they're going to work him back into the, into the starting action. Uh, I wouldn't expect see, for him to see the field maybe for like a week or so, maybe even more. I'm, j- I'm not sure on that one. Kyle Juszczyk, 49ers foot, uh, fullback. He had his foot stepped on yesterday, on Monday, and so he didn't practice on Tuesday. Um, nothing serious. Dre Greenlaw today, which is Tuesday, he had a what was described as a hand laceration, which is a fancy word for a cut. Not sure how he did it. He's obvi- obviously that's not a huge deal. And then you have D Ford. Injured, I I haven't heard a whole lot of clarification on this. No, he injured his hand and he injured his hamstring or something like that. Uh, You heard anything else on that, Crocker? I I know I haven't.
2: Yeah, now, once I left, I I kind of been out of the loop with, you know, what was going on as far as injuries and things like that. So, yeah, I haven't heard anything really with D4, but I know a lot of what they're doing are, you know, just sitting guys out for, you know, just precautions make sure guys don't, you know, further hurt themselves or, you know, they're just kind of trying to get everybody – through preseason you know through is right, right so um I, know.
1: I can definitely tell that this that this medical staff is a bit more cautious yeah. i think they're probably that way because of the reason the last medical staff is no longer around if you get my drift like right. obviously <laughs> right. knowing what, what happened before they're probably going to play it a little bit safe at least for now until they feel a bit more confident and kind of the atmosphere and what what's the expectation of them and stuff like that. So they're definitely play it safe. None of those injuries that I just listed are considered serious. They're just kind of day-to-day type things. So And, and none of them, Ford, Greenlaw, check none of them have really been – have said that they're expected to miss any significant time. So, all right, let's get into the meat and potatoes, the stuff everybody wants to hear about. We're, like I said, we're going to go through the roster, starting with the offense, top to bottom. Um, position by position, and just kind of break down what we've seen over the first four days of training camp and kind of where that person's standing is with the team. And sometimes I'll go first. Sometimes uh, Crocker will go first. But I want Crocker to start us off. Give me your thoughts on uh, on Jimmy Garoppolo so far, Crock.
2: Man, um, inconsistent. Uh, up and down. Um, I, I, I thought uh, – That's exactly
1: what I wrote down on my notes, dude. Inconsistent.
2: <laughs> inconsistent, up and down. He, I thought day two, uh, day one in shoulder pads was very strong. You know, the, the the first day I was there, which was Sunday, I was like, oh, okay, you know, he's a little off, rusty. Um, you know, defense. You'll hear this a lot, but defense is, is typically ahead of offense going into training camp. And then day two came, and I mean, he just dropped some beautiful passes in there to receivers. I thought he was sharp. He looked confident. And then day three came, or day day three for me, um, day four uh, in the pads. And he he just, yeah, all over the place with passes, um, timings off. They did some things to kind of get him some completions, to try to get him in the rhythm uh, with tunnel screens and things like that. But um, as far as Jimmy G, up and down. And then you had the other guys. I think Mullins has kind of been the most consistent. I, I wouldn't say great, and it's probably hard for him to be great because his – he, he doesn't have the most natural like arm talent. Uh, but I think with, in the,
1: you know, just, he with, also doesn't get very many reps. Right, he doesn't,
2: but within the confines of the offense, I think he has done well hitting guys, you know, over the middle, kind of knowing where to throw the ball. And, uh, he, he has been the most consistent quarterback. So, uh, and then you have CJ Beathard. He's thrown you know, some interceptions. Uh, he kind of looks like CJ Beathard, what you would expect. <laughs> so.
1: I remember, uh, I remember. I can't remember. It was Marquise Goodwin, but I can't remember who was saying it, but somebody, I think it was on the radio or a podcast where Marquise Goodwin was asked about Jimmy Garoppolo and he said, man, that guy gets rid of the ball, doesn't he? And then he was asked about CJ Beathard. And apparently he said, man, that guy holds on to the ball, doesn't he? <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. And, you know, a little, little bit of funny shade towards his teammate, but obviously I'm sure those two go back and forth all the time. But, I'm, I'm pretty much lockstep with Crocker. I think Garoppolo has had his Garoppolo moments where he makes incredible throws. And, you know, he looks healthy. Obviously, he's got the brace on. Um, he's still technically probably, I mean, he's been fully cleared from the torn ACL. Now, does that mean he's not still recovering? No, he's obviously still doing his thing, getting used to running on it, getting used to moving on it. He still has, you know, the same lightning quick throwing motion you would expect. He's just looked a little uncomfortable, in my opinion. He's like I said, he's had some throws where you're like, okay, that's that's who we're talking about. Then he's had some throws where he just kinda looks a little unsure. He's not very confident, and and that kind of stems from not being able, you know, he might not feel that comfortable planting on his legs, stuff like that. So I'm pretty much on the same on the same on the same page as far as all the quarterbacks. Mullins has looked decent. He's looked good. I think it would be safe to say that he is a, quite a bit ahead of Beathard if you were keeping track of their, their little battle for the, the backup spot. Um, the big thing with, with Garoppolo with me is some of the throws you are just, I wouldn't even say they're that difficult of throws. He's just been missing some, some throws that you would expect him to hit. You know, I, I think I, I told Grant Cohn earlier, I was, on, uh, I was on his little uh, periscopes that he does on the daily. I told him that it seems like most of his passes have been a little high and a little behind when he misses, um, which is just a little weird. It's just, you know. So it'll it'll be interesting to watch his play unfold, given this is how he started. You know, I think his only really good day to speak of was day three, like you said. Um, He was sharp. He completed around 60% of his passes. And I know there were a couple of bad drops in there. One of those being to Dante Pettis, who we'll talk about later. One of the best throws I've seen from Garoppolo in training camp. Pettis was running, he was either running like a corner round or he was running kind of like a, a post that came from the opposite side of the field. I can only really remember the angle in which he was running. And the ball was just this absolutely perfectly lofted throw. The coverage was pretty good. The, guy, the, the defender was just a little bit behind Pettis and airplane again just a little bit behind Pettis, and the ball came right over his shoulder. Absolutely perfect. Maybe a tough angle to track, but the ball kind of just fell straight through his arms. And I think, Crocker, you were right in front of me, or you were right next to me for that, weren't you? I think you turned and looked at me and was like in awe of the throw.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he just kind of like alligator, alligator arm, you know, the, the pass. I, I, I mean, Jimmy couldn't have thrown it any better, Later, right in there like, Right over uh, who was running with him? I want to say it was Fred Warner, and Fred Warner was
1: there. I think it was a linebacker. Yeah, yeah, sure. it was
2: Fred Warner who carried him, carried him across the field and across crosser. The thing is, if Dante Pettis is going to be who we want him to be, he he has to make catches like that. And you know, second round draft right. pick, like that's a high pick for somebody. You know, you're you're going to be expected to make those type of plays. And he, he didn't make that catch. So, uh, you know, we're, we're all looking for Pettis to take that next step. I, I haven't seen it yet.
1: Right. And that, you know, and we'll, we'll touch on that more in a little bit. We're getting to receivers here in a little bit. But it was like you said, it was just one of those plays that you want to see somebody like Pettis make. Uh, Grant made a good point earlier in the fact that it looked a lot like probably wasn't the same play, but it looked a lot like the pass that Pettis caught. Week one against the Minnesota Vikings, that incredible play. Obviously, that was a, a, an off-schedule play. But it was kind of the same type of angle in which the ball was thrown and it came over Pettis' shoulder, and he caught that one you know, completely outstretched uh, right at the back of the end zone. So it was something similar. I'm sure the play was different. But as far as the angle goes, it's kind of that same pass. And this one would have been a bit easier for uh, Pettis to catch. So that was interesting. Now, moving on. Unless you have anything else you want to touch on there, Croc. Okay, moving on, running backs, running backs. Not a lot to take from the running backs so far. I mean, there is some, but whether it's Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, or Raheem Mostert, they have all had to work for every single yard that they have got, and they have been taking some hits from the defensive line, from the linebackers, from everybody on the defense, and there has been the the occasional big play but one of my biggest takeaways from all of training camp so far has been how impressive the 49ers have been stopping – the 49ers' defense has been stopping the run. Now that's, you know, that's Shanahan's run game. Will that apply to every other team in, that they're facing uh, in 2019? We'll see. But as far as stopping Shanahan's version of the run game, it's been pretty impressive. Uh, what do you think, Crock?
2: You know, with the with the backs, he has done a good job just kind of stopping them. You know, the defense has done a good job stopping the running backs. The the, the one running back who, well, I, I was waiting for Brady to break off a big run. He finally got one today. I think in the passing game, the running backs have looked solid. But the one running back I'd say who has done, I don't want to say the best, but who has made the most of his opportunities when there was a lane there has been Walters, the rookie out of Rice. I saw some things from him today. It was good. He, he made a
1: couple. Right, he had
2: a couple Yeah, he, he had some nice runs. He made some guys miss in the open field. Made Cobra uh, miss, like, just whiffed on him. Uh, he made a corner miss in the open field as well. I believe it was Emmanuel Mosley. Or it might have been DJ Reed. It was one of those. Sorry if I, you know, it wasn't you. Yeah, it was one of those two guys, but... Just, you know, he brings something a little different. He's a little bit – he's built, like, really stocky. Doesn't have that breakaway speed like some of the other guys. Doesn't have, like, just a super, you know, twitchiness. But he he has a little bit of juice, you know, where he makes guys miss. And so far, I mean, you know, he's going against, like, third string. He's not going against the Armstead and Buckner and Bosa and D Ford and Solomon Thomas. Right. You know, he's not going against those guys. But just with, you know – given the opportunities that he's had, I I, I thought that, you know, he's made the best of it.
1: The thing I have noticed too is, and this might be a, you know, an effect of the, you know, the 49ers have started using a little bit more of that wide nine alignment on the defense, which really means that the ends kind of just, you know, kick out a little bit more uh, than usual, at least on one side. And it it seemed like the the run game, you know, especially most particularly the outside run game, uh, has had a lot of trouble gaining the edge. There's been so many plays where they've they've tried to, and they just can't quite get it. And I, and I think a little bit of that has to do with the alignment, and and a little bit more of the fact that the the defense is just playing kind of up to their potential at this point. So it's been interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch all three or four running backs. Um, obviously, Jarek McKinnon has not started practicing yet. He is still uh, easing his way back from a. Uh, from a torn ACL, but he is expected to be activated soon, like within a week soon. So that'll be another wrinkle to the mix. All of of the running backs have shown they're good at catching the ball. All of them have had had their chance to do that. And of the three that you expect to be on the roster come the season, Coleman, Breida, and Mostert, um, all of them have caught big passes. All of them had their kind of moments here and there. But Breida today, as Crocker said earlier, he broke off probably the biggest run of training camp, the biggest run of training camp, kind of unquestioned. He just broke through on the left side and and did, you know, what what we saw Breida do all last season. Uh, He took off. Uh, No one could catch him. Uh, Probably another little tiny impressive element of that play was the fact that Richard Sherman came from all the way on the other side of the field and didn't quite run Brita down, but he got close enough to Brita to kind of give him a shove. Maybe in a game he would have got him out of bounds. Um, but I thought that was impressive in and of itself. Um, anything else you got about the uh, the running backs before we move on there, cross
2: Nah, nah. I mean, I guess we can include Juice in that, but, um, I, I, you know, if, right. if we are including him, I, I saw a nice uh, few little uh, kick-out blocks yesterday. Or was it the day before yesterday? It's all kind of blur a blur now. But, um, yeah, he
1: missed well, no. Did he miss yesterday? Nah, he no, he missed today. Missed today. Yeah. He didn't miss yesterday. So, definitely could have seen it yesterday.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, you know, outside of that, I guess he's been kind of kind of quiet. But, yeah, that's it for the running backs.
1: He's been a fullback. You know, I mean, he's, he obviously Kyle Shanahan, has plenty of plays lined up for him. But he's just been, you know, doing fullback things. Okay. Um, probably something we're going to be able to talk about for a while. Uh, wide receivers. Crocker, why don't you, just because there's so much to talk about, why don't you hit – a receiver that has stood out to you in one way or another? And we'll, we'll get to more of them, but just pick pick a first one that you feel like has stood out in some way.
2: I'd say uh, Richie James. And, you know, we were talking about that before we hit the, you know, go on live button. But t- to me, I think some of the things that he has done, if he was Dante Pettis or if he was, you know, Debo Samuel or Jalen Hurd or or anybody else, I feel like we would hear more about it, you know. But just him just showing that ability to get behind the defense and in team, he got behind the safeties and caught a deep ball. I know 49ers put out a video of it. Um, in one on ones, I, I had a video that kind of went viral, and, and, and it's not so much about uh, oh, he ran a comeback, you know, hey, it's one on ones, you know, there's no pass rush, it's more about just the ability the ability to accelerate, to threaten the, the cornerbacks deep and be able to stop on the dime and and catch the comeback, you know, just having that type of ability, um, you know, on top of that, like I said, you know, he caught the deep ball in team. And then today he just caught several passes in traffic where, you know, it's like, man, the, 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 the team has had kind of a tough time connecting with other receivers, but you have Richie James here who's, you know, making tough catches, making catches over kind of deep, you know, 20 to 25 yards over, Malcolm Smith, you know, he, he's doing all these things. And I feel like it's kind of getting kind of swept under the rug a little bit because he's not the big name guy. So um, that, that's the one guy right. I, think I can kind of – I can
1: definitely feel you Yeah, on that. you
2: know, he's, he's doing a really good job given the opportunities that he's gotten. And it's not really – you know what? I, I think maybe the team has noticed it because today he got more opportunities. So maybe the team has noticed it. I think it's time for, you know, everybody else to kind of acknowledge it.
1: Well, dude, you're the one at practice. Like, I mean, I guess I, I say I say bring you know bring some attention to him. But you already posted a video that went crazy of him. So obviously you're, you're doing everything you can. But I, I 100% agree. He's if you had a list of the top three targeted or the top three best 49ers receivers so far in camp, he would be on it. I think you know. And and the other guy that would be on it with for me would be Trent Taylor, who. We haven't charted receptions. I haven't counted how many each have had every day. I know some of the, uh, the beat writers have. But I believe that Trent Taylor has probably been the most targeted 49ers receiver so far in camp, especially during team drills. And it's been great to see just because you can tell he was very disappointed with what, with what he had to go through last year. He had a, a back surgery in the offseason that essentially ruined his year. You know, he, he kind of slowly came back and got some playing time as the season wore on. But his, his 2018 season was essentially ruined by this back surgery. And that was coming off a super encouraging 2017 where it just seemed like he and Garoppolo, to throw every cliche straight up into the air, looked like they were becoming, you know, the next Tom Brady, Wes Welker type thing. You know, it, it, they just it just looked like it. They were too, they were just clicking like crazy. And I think Trent Taylor was one of the most successful receivers on third down in the league. So, and he has come into training camp and looked outstanding and it may just be recency bias, but he looks faster and quicker to me than even he did as a rookie. And he is doing all the things that you would expect Trent Taylor to do, especially in the short to intermediate game. And the quarters of cornerback quarterbacks have been feeding him the ball. And, He looks good. When we started camp, I considered Taylor, you know, considering how many guaranteed kind of players there are for the receiving core, I considered him kind of on the roster bubble. Like, you know, who knows? But now if you asked me, I'd say he's about as close to a guarantee as one can get, or at the very least, if if you were to tell me that he didn't make the final roster right now, I would, I would, I would be shocked. So he's looked really good. Um, He's looked like, you know, and, and what's interesting is you would think that him and Richie James are in competition for the same spot which they might be. I I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to where Richie James has been lining up, but they both have seen a tremendous amount of success. And it doesn't seem like either has gotten in the way of one another, if that makes sense. You know, they both just seem like they're, they're kind of eating on their own. And I think both have kind of, if you're making these decisions right now, I think both have kind of earned a spot. And, you know, with Richie James, he brings the return ability, you know, the special teams ability to the picture. And he had a he had a return touchdown against the Seahawks last year, and I think that was like one of the one of the last games of the season, second to last game of the season, and stuff like that matters, you know, to the coaching staff. And special teams can win games, so you know, for someone like Richie James to have the the camp he's having so far, it's really impressive. I mean, he's a seventh round pick that is, you know, out there shining with the ones. So that's always good to hear about.
2: Yeah, and if you think about it too, uh, just to kind of finish up on uh, Richie James. Last year when Trent Taylor uh first hurt his back and he was kind of missing time in, in preseason, Richie James started in a slot. If you remember against the Dallas Cowboys, that first, very first preseason game, uh Richie James started and he had a key like third down catch on I want to say the 49ers' first. I know he had drive. a touchdown too so at some point
1: in the preseason, I, but I can't I can't remember what it was.
2: He had a touchdown Later in the Dallas okay. Cowboy game. So on the first drive, he, he caught a pass um, for a first down. And then later in the game, he scored the game-winning touchdown. So he, he is somebody that I think, you know, he definitely has that ability. He has that skill set. I see it. I think he I think he looks really good right now. Now it's just to continue to take advantage of his opportunities. And if he does play well and he does push other guys out, what does that mean for some of the other guys that they've drafted, like Adebo or – you know, or what does that mean for a guy like Marquise Good? Right, so, right. Yeah, that's just something. And to that think was about. who,
1: um, you know. I just went with with Trent Taylor. So who's who's another receiver that you just have have something you want to talk about, something you want to get off the chest?
2: I'd say probably Dante Pettis because you know, going into this, we we heard you know, oh, he looks good. He looks a lot different. And I, I won't say that he he hasn't been like just terrible or anything like that, but. <laughs> He hasn't stood out the way that I would expect him to stand out, you know, going into year two um, with the high expectations. You know, he's a second round pick and, you know, it's pretty high. You know, I, I would like, like, like I said, you know, the one drop ball where, you know, it just went through his hands. In um, one-on-ones, he's just being locked up by Killer Witherspoon and Richard Sherman, where he just hasn't had any success against those guys. You know, the first uh, day in pads, he just, you know, Witherspoon locked him up, got an interception off of him in um, one-on-ones. I mean, he, Witherspoon broke up a pass. There was like – broke up two passes guarding Pettis. There was no separation at all. And then today, you know, he ran a pretty much a, a deep go route, like a deep kind of corner route on Richard Sherman. And Richard Sherman ran stride for stride with him. And it's just like if you're not going to threaten guys, you know, deep, and you're not physical enough to play underneath you know what where are you going to excel right. at and in one-on-ones like i said that i mean that's set up for the receivers to win and, and he's just not winning so it's just not 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 saying like you know that it, you know he he can come out and and start killing against the cowboys um next week and i'd be all for it i'm just saying I, I thought I was expecting to see a little bit more from him, and and I'm seeing Richie James take that next step and not Pettis.
1: That's true, and I would have said the same thing. Pettis has just been a little inconsistent. The the, the catches that you would like to see him make, um, you know, the next steps you'd like to see him take. Not to rhyme a little bit there, but. It just it hasn't quite developed yet, and that's not to say that it's not going to come. And you know he's not going to be you know the kind of the receiver everybody's hoping he can be, but it hasn't happened yet. And he's made some drops that you would really kind of like to see. You wouldn't want you wouldn't like to see. You know what I mean? It's and they're not they weren't necessarily hard catches. I've seen him make some drops in one on one where he kind of won the route and then just dropped the pass type of deal. So. He might be fighting with himself a little bit right now, and hopefully, you know, as uh, as things kind of wear on, he gets a little bit more of his feet under him and stuff like that. Another receiver I think you know fair to talk about is Marquise Goodwin, who has been on the same kind of a little bit of a track as same as Trent Taylor. And in 2017, Goodwin was phenomenal. You know, looked like he was, and there was plenty of things I saw to, that that convinced me of this. He looked like he was developing into into a legit number one receiver. He was running. Amazing routes. He obviously has all the speed in the world he needs. He was catching the ball. And, you know, he, uh, I think he had over 40 receptions for 900 and something yards, you know, which is, which is outstanding. That's good for anybody in the league. And, you know, in 2018, he dealt with some injuries. He dealt with some pers- personal issues. Um, I know he and his wife, and um, I can't recall her name right now, I know they lost newborn twins due to complications during pregnancy. And that will obviously affect anybody. You know, it, it's incredible that he even came back to play at all after, you know, something like that. It missed a couple of games, but. You know stuff like that. Now he seems to be in a good place this year, and and so far in camp he's looked. He hasn't had any any of the huge deep receptions that we're used to seeing, but he's been con- pretty consistent. He's I know he's I've seen him have a couple of drops, but it looks like he's kind of leaning back towards what he was in 2017, which is a pretty reliable target that the quarterbacks are are you know are willing to go to pretty often. What do you think, man?
2: Yeah, I I, I like what I've seen from from him. He did drop a couple of passes that you would like to see him um, haul in. I, I think where I look, you know, is is he on the bubble? Is, is he not? Can you do without him? And that's what I struggle with. I, I think he should make the team, but he does have younger guys that could possibly be pushing him. And at the end of the day, no matter what, Hurd and, and Debo Samuel are going to be on his roster. So, you know, after that it kind of gets tight, especially if you see Richie James doing his thing, you see Trent Taylor now has four spots. Right? Um Dante Pettis that's five spots. That that that's not including Goodwin. You know, it, it's very interesting to see like, you know, just kind of where you know, what happens with him. I I I don't think he's a lock.
1: Right. No, I mean I, I think you could probably I think if one person thought Marquise Goodwin was a lock, and another thought he wasn't. I think both people would be able to make pretty good cases for him, him being one way or the other. And then, obviously, the couple of receivers we haven't really mentioned all that much is is second-round rookie, Debo Samuel, who's been okay. You know, I've, I, he's had some decent reps in one-on-ones, uh, hasn't made a lot of noise in the team portions of practice. I mean, he might have a couple of receptions to his name, but not a whole lot going on there. I know, Crocker, you were having a little bit of uh, – let's say uh, critiques about his kind of his style of practice and play. You want to, you want to touch on that a little bit? It
2: was a little, a little lazy, I guess. I didn't see him finishing. And, and I just think like, you know, you, you want to, you know, practice good habits, create good habits, you know, and when you look at the veterans, the guys like Larry Fitzgerald and guys that play for a long time, they do all the little things. So, you know, when you're doing routes on the air, okay, I run my route hard, catch the ball, burst up field. Those were things that I didn't see from him. I didn't see him burst up field. I just saw him catch the ball and just kind of – that's it, right? So, you know, just little things like that, I I would like for him to take a little bit more initiative to get – you know, do better at, at, at certain things. And I think, you know, that those things would make him an overall just better receiver, just little things like that, you know. Instead of trying to push yourself once it's time to go, and then all of a sudden, boom, I haven't been pushing myself. I haven't been practicing that way or going through An individual drills hard, and now I hurt my hamstring because my body's not used to doing it.
1: Right, right. And then that's fair. And then and Debo has dealt with his, his fair share of injuries, and I think a hip injury being the most recent. So. And that's just something he needs to learn over time. And, and thankfully, I think the 49ers have maybe not necessarily in the receiving room, but I think the roster has plenty of veterans that are perfectly willing to uh, kind of call anything like that out, whether, it you know, publicly or privately type of deal. And then another receiver we have to mention before we move on is Jalen Hurd, the 49ers third round pick this year. So we had Samuel as second. Heard was third. Bit of a surprise, a bit of an interesting prospect. Obviously someone that Shanahan sees sees something in. He was a running back and then he became a wide receiver in college and had a lot of success at both. I mean his his, his year as a receiver wasn't mind blowing, but it wasn't bad either for a guy who just started. And obviously Hurd's biggest highlight so far, and I say highlights with an S, is he got in a pair of fights was that yesterday?
2: Were those fights yesterday, Crock? No, it was Sunday, I believe.
1: Okay, yeah. So we got in a pair of fights, and, and shout out to uh, my co-host here, Crocker. He was the first one to notice that, or at least the first one that I talked to, to notice that the fights were born out of Herd's willingness to block the hell out of a defender. One of them was against um, Dante Johnson. And the other was kind of a bit of an unknown. I think the the culprit might have been safety, Anton Exum. But he blocked him, and he wouldn't stop blocking him until the whistle. And the defenders didn't appreciate that. And I know, Crocker, you said that he uh, pancaked Exum, didn't he?
2: Right, yeah, pancaked him, just flat on his back. Boop.
1: Right, right. So (laughs) – you know, he has as far as the, you know, the the normal day-to-day for a receiver, Hurt hasn't made a lot of noise. They have been putting him in to the lineup a lot during kind of blocking plays. I've seen him line up in the slot a lot. I've also seen him line up really tight to the formation, kind of like a, a right in between a slot receiver and a, where a tight end would be, and he's been blocking a lot. I I'm not even sure he's made. I'm sure he's made a reception during team period. Just not very much to do. He's he's had some some ups and downs during one on ones, but that's just all stuff that's you know to be expected from somebody who just started playing wide receiver essentially two and a half three years ago. So, um, you got any takes on uh, on any other receivers on the roster, Croc, uh, croc including Hurd? But I know we got a couple more. We probably got to mention.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Hurd born even Debo Samuel, those guys are kind of all in the same little bubble as far as, you know, they just haven't had a lot of opportunities to make plays. So, you know, I'm just being patient with those guys. Uh, A lot of, you know, the targets have gone to Goodwin, Taylor, Pettis. I think those seem like the the three guys that they really are trying to push at this moment. And the other guys are kind of just getting in where they fit in. And we'll, we'll see how that whole thing progresses throughout training camp.
1: Right, okay. So moving along slowly but surely and then the next position we will probably touch on is the let's go with let's go with tight ends. So not a whole lot to talk about in the tight end position. You've got the obvious, you've got George Kittle, who's made quite a few plays, hasn't necessarily been what you, you know, hasn't broken any records on the training camp field or anything like that, but he's been a a consistent factor in the offense, and today I thought it was interesting that, you know, he caught a, uh, he caught a screen pass that actually went for a really big gain, and then Later in practice, um, I think you were you were next to me for this one too. Croc was. Um, I looked away. I looked down at my notes, and I looked up, and uh, Kittle had the ball and he was running with it. And I looked around. I was like, "How did how did Kittle get the ball? Did did they throw it to him?" And he was given a. He, he took a. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, like a fly right, sweep. Right, right. A sweep. There we go. I was missing out on my, my – Yeah, it was. It was
2: like a. Uh, uh, like he. I think they handed it him the ball. they handed him the ball on a fly sweep. It then faked it like like a fake pass the opposite way. So it was like handed it off to him, fake pass the other way. And I think that's what threw all of us off. And then it's like, wait a minute, how did Kittle get the ball?
1: <laughs> right, right. I had, I had no idea how, how he had the ball. And so that was interesting. Obviously, they're trying to work him in. But Kittle has been about what you do expect. He's made some impressive catches, uh, go up and get it type balls, which is what I want to see him do more. It's, you know Some of those passes where the defender is is right on him and he goes up and gets it anyways. And, and I've seen him make a couple of those. Anybody else stand out on the tight end roster for you there, uh, Croc?
2: Uh, no, not as far as the tight ends. Um, they haven't really done much. I know one, one tight end caught a ball up the seam. He was wide open. Um, I want to say maybe it was uh, Dwelly. But, you know, outside of that, it, it's kind of been – I haven't paid too much attention to him. And when they've made a play, I've noticed. Um, Kittle has made some nice plays. But um, he actually had a drop too. I want to say Marcel Harris was on the coverage. But, yeah, outside of that, the tight ends have been kind of quiet.
1: They have. They have. I haven't seen really anything from their uh, – their... Sixth round rookie, Caden Smith, um, out of Stanford. I haven't seen him do a lot. Ross dwelly has been decent. I think he's probably in that mix for the backup role. While um, Selleck time, Garrett Selleck, he is out with a back injury. He had back surgery during the offseason. And he also, because of that surgery, still hasn't been cleared technically cleared from the concussion protocol from like the end of last season so obviously they all they all went their separate ways and he just hasn't done that yet I don't think the team is trying to say that there's some real worry there but he still hasn't technically been cleared so that's a little weird but the the rest of the tight end group hasn't really made a lot of noise what have you seen and this is kind of we can hit this a little bit more generally if you feel like we should what have you seen from the uh, the offensive line Croc? anything you want to you want to mention in particular
2: uh, not not really. I mean, I, I've seen I, McGlinchey has looked solid, but you know, outside of that, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's just not too much to kind of just know. I guess won't really know because you know it's tough. Is the offensive line bad or is our defensive line really good? Right. And That's like I, the, I don't uh, think we'll the know age old training, until, training camp question. Yeah, I don't think we'll know until we see them against Dallas next week.
1: Right. Right. So, you know, that's a good segue. Um, uh, Just to touch on them a little bit, the offensive line has had their hands full. You know, and every starter on the offensive line, um, Weston Richburg hasn't been there. He's still kind of recovering from a leg injury. Um, They hope to have him back before week one. Every offensive lineman has taken their licks. Even Joe Staley had his hands full with Nick Bosa. So they've, but the, the defensive line has been playing so far, and here's our segue has been playing. So far through training camp, what you would expect from a defensive line with five first-round picks. And that's Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, uh, Nick Bosa, and D. Ford. And all three of those guys are pretty consistently on the field at the same time. Sometimes Thomas, uh, Thomas is rotated out with, say, Sheldon Day or DJ Jones or something like that. But most of them are on the field at the same time. So the defensive line so far has been playing... Like one of the strongest position groups on the team. Um, exactly what you'd expect from from a a group with with that much talent on it. Is there anybody in particular from that group that stood out to you, Croc? I know I've I've got a couple, but what what do you got?
2: Uh I I mean I think I just like the consistency from Bosa. Um I, I've seen him get bullied a couple of times, but I, I think, you know, from a play to play basis, I, I think he's pretty much what I expected, what I wanted to see, right? I mean, he's, it seems like every day he's kind of beating the guy, getting the sack, um, getting some run stops. I saw him take on a, uh, a double uh, team and set the edge. So, you know, he's just been a really solid football player, and that's what I, I wanted from him, be a good football player. And so far he's been that. So um, outside of that, uh, there was one thing that's kind of been bothering me a little bit is DeForest Buckner and him jumping off sides like two or three practices in a row. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's actually, I think, from both sides uh, a lot of false starts or encroachment penalties. But, you know, from a talent standpoint, yeah, all, all the defensive line, I've kind of liked what I've seen from them. It seems like everybody's just doing their job and, you know, kind of wreaking havoc and, yeah, looking good.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. DeForest Buckner has looked good. But, yeah, the, I, the you could tell in the very first practice of training camp that the defensive line is being very aggressive. The offense didn't have very many hard counts or hadn't really worried about them yet. And then starting day two, they came at them with the hard counts. And the defensive line was jumping offsides like crazy at six, seven times a practice. Now they've probably got that down to like two or three or four, but they're still hitting them with it. And DeForest Buckner was was among those that was jumping off a lot. And they're kind of – you can tell that there's been a lot of the team drills where the defensive line has gotten wise to it. Another player that stood out to me uh, is – I mean, DeForest Buckner's an easy one. D Ford's had a pretty good practice. But another one that stood out to me is Cantavius Street, the fourth-round pick uh, from the 2018 draft. He missed his entire rookie season uh, because he tore his ACL during pre-jaff workouts before that year, before the draft. So um, the 49ers took him in the fourth round anyways. The dude is a freak when it comes to the weight room. I think there's a video of him squatting, like, do you remember what it was, Croc? Like 600, 700 pounds? I can't remember, but it was a ridiculous amount.
2: Uh, No, it was a lot of weight.
1: Right. So he's been slowly gaining a little bit of steam. Today, he went up against a sixth-round rookie, Justin School, and schooled him, for lack of a better term, twice, easily. First one was a bull rush where he just kind of threw him back into the quarterback. And the second one, he got a little technical, used his hands, kind of flipped his hips a little bit, and was able to scoot right towards the quarterback. And that was during one-on-ones. He hasn't made, at least that I've seen, he hasn't made as much noise during team drills. But I'm also not entirely sure how many reps he's been allowed to have, given he's still kind of coming back from an ACL. But that was impressive to see. Uh, I felt like Ronald Blair has been pretty good. What, What a lot of people don't realize is, you know, let's say usually they keep around nine defensive linemen on the final roster. Well, you have five that I've already listed that are, blocks to make the roster so there is quite a few talented defensive linemen competing for you know what might be three or four roster spots so that's going to be a really interesting group anything else you got on the defensive lineman before we move on there Crock?
2: yeah nah just i mean i like what what, what I, i've seen so far and it's kind of a little bit along the lines of what we were hoping we would see So, yeah, I'm excited about that.
1: Okay, so linebackers, and we're we're almost to the defensive backs where we know we're going to get to hear Croc talk plenty of ball. The linebackers have been pretty impressive, I would say. Fred Warner has looked like a reliable – dependable starter in the middle. Because he's had, and he has got the he's got the green down on his helmet. So he's receiving the plays, calling the plays for the defense. And for a second year player, he seems very mature. He seems very grounded. He's been good. He's been popping people. Uh, he said his focus this offseason, he told us today, was um, putting on a little bit of weight. He said he put on a couple of pounds and just kind of
2: like he literally right. said a couple of pounds. like, dude you 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 could poop and, and then now right, you're back to the right, same way you were. Right. Now, Drink a bottle you. of water, then all of a sudden you're back yeah, to, water, to where you
1: thought you were. So,
2: Yeah, I, I was like,
1: oh, okay. <laughs> I, <know. right."> yeah, <laughs> I gained one, or, I that, I say, one like, or two pounds. It's like, okay, so you yeah, lose, that, that was kind of funny. did you was lose like, that right, weight? Wait when you woke up, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of funny that he would feel like he needed to highlight that. But he's a big dude. <laughs> right. A lot of people, you know, linebackers typically are, let's say, 5'11 to 6'1". Like, that's kind of the typical linebacker size range. And there's obviously – but Warner is 6'3", forty pounds or whatever it is, 220. And when he walks into a room, you notice him. He's a big dude. And now he's got kind of the crazy – uh, dreads that are kind of on top of his head so he looks even taller. He looks like he's like six six. So he's a he's a big dude and he commands kind of your attention and as long as he can kind of continue to be the well rounded linebacker he kinda of is developing into, he could he could be really good. the 49ers need him to be really good because they lost Reuben Foster to to all the drama everybody knows about. So, you know, that was a big black spot on Lynch's resume and it would be It would go a long way in the organization for Warner to be able to kind of step in. Quan Alexander, he's been been out there. He hasn't been a huge factor just because his reps are extremely limited. I haven't watched him yet during one-on-ones, so I'm not even sure if he's participating, but they're easing him back. Dre Greenlaw has been pretty good. Uh, He's been filling in kind of along with Malcolm Smith at that, you know, kind of bouncing back and forth between the Sam and the Will. So, uh, anything else on, on linebackers that have stood out to you?
2: Now, I liked what I've seen from all of them. You know, the wide nine uh, it puts a little bit more stress on them to have to fill gaps. And I was wondering how they would look doing that because a lot of them are a little bit more on the quote unquote undersized uh, side of things. But now that they they've looked good. They're they're flying around. They're they're covering well. Dre Greenlaw. I mean, you know. Every year, you know, you hear about a guy and, you know, you don't want to get your hopes up for these guys. And it's like, okay, well, he was drafted fifth round for a reason. But he's looked good. He looks like he's belonged on the field. So, again, I don't want to put too much stock into it. You know, let's see what happens once, you know, training camp, I mean, uh, preseason games start and see where he fits in in the regular season. But um, as of right now, like just kind of watching him fly around and make plays and coverage skills, uh, I I like what I see from him.
1: Right, and I think that's fair, and, and like Crocker said, a lot of the the wide nine puts it puts pressure on the linebackers because the the entire defensive line spreads out, and that leaves gaps. That and it's not a two-gap scheme, meaning when the when the ball is snapped, the defensive linemen don't have to, or the, at least they've said that they don't have to kind of sit there and, and react to which gap the offense is, is angling towards. So it's, it's a one-gap scheme that basically assigns gaps to the linebackers. You know, in other defenses like the 49ers, old 3-4, uh, they would wait to see how the play developed, they'd see what the defensive line when we're doing, and then they would kind of fill in from there and and, and make the stop. Well, in in the 49ers defense now, they are directly responsible for gaps. And if they don't step up and fill those gaps, the 49ers are going to get gassed in the run game. So there's a lot of responsibility on them uh, moving forwards. But so far, they've been really good. So we'll see if that applies to, you know, regular season action, preseason action. But Crocker, I am going to turn the floor. Over to you for the last two position groups. The only two we have left are cornerback and safety. So you take the floor, you tell me what you're thinking, and then every now and then I can chime in.
2: All right, first and foremost, you know, I want to start by saying Richard Sherman, I apologize. <laughs> what are I, you thought for? I, thought, I thought he was done. I thought he was on his last leg. And so far, you know, and I, I, you know, so far he's looked really good. He's looked really good. He looks more confident. To see him kind of, you know, be able to run downfield—that was something that he struggled with last year. You know, the confidence to get up at the line of scrimmage and, you know, put his hands on Marquis Goodwin. That's tough because you know, if I really try to put my hands on him and I miss, it's good night. And I don't even think he was thinking about any of that. It was just like total confidence and. He looks like himself. Now, will he be all pro Richard Sherman? I don't know. But I do know last year, if teams really wanted to target him, I think he would have been a liability. This year, I think that he would be a solid starting cornerback. So I just want to start by saying Richard Sherman. I apologize. <laughs> and um I am happy that he's playing very well. Outside of that, um, you know, obviously, you know, we've been watching the Keller Witherspoon. And I've been high on him in the sense of I think that he is a starting NFL cornerback. He has looked the part of that. He has played extremely well. Jason Verrett, I was wondering how would he look. He hasn't been tested. I don't even know if they've thrown a pass towards him. But just watching how he moves, how he has covered, I, I, I'm I'm happy with what I've seen so far. I, I don't look at it one way or another too much like, oh, my gosh, he's just shut down, you know, or, oh, he's terrible. You know, none of that. Um it's been kind of hard to read just because he hasn't he hasn't been targeted, but um, you know I like what I see from him so far. And then um, DJ Reed moved to corner. I, I like that move. He's been kind of up and down, and he moves around a lot from outside to slot. And then the slot seems like he's been giving up a little bit more. But playing corner, it looks like he's kind of back at home. And I'm I'm kind of um, excited to see where he goes from from here. I, I think just how he has started, it's a good baseline. And then my dark horse is Emmanuel Mosley. I have him making the fifty three. A lot of people told me what making it over Tim Harris. If if it were me, yes, he would make it over Tim Harris. But um, and even Tim Harris, I, I think he rebounded and had a good practice today. So now it's exciting to see the defensive backs. That was kind of the spot where everybody was like, oh, they didn't sign any corners, they didn't sign any safeties, and I, I kind of like what I've seen so far from the corners. They're competing. They've been scrappy, they've been playing fast, and Richard Sherman has been a great leader and has been exciting to watch the the cornerbacks.
1: The one thing I would like to say before we move on to safeties is one thing that's impressed me the most about Richard Sherman, and this stems all the way to last year, is the dude has just established himself, in what is my opinion, almost an invaluable player slash presence on the 49ers roster. He's just – he's like another coach. He's a leader. He's like a constant mentor for both pe- players on the defense, cornerbacks, any other position, and players on the offense. I mean, Dante Pettis said yesterday that Richard Sherman was calling him out because the route he ran or the effort he put into the play wasn't what Richard Sherman was used to. And that is something that – and I know you can attest to this just as much as anybody, Crock, because you've been on, you've been on an NFL roster. It just the value in that can't be quantified it's it's not even about money it's not even you know players uh, players like that you're willing to pay because you know that they're going to bring a sense of stability to your roster and they're going to help coaches do their thing when coaches aren't even around and Richard Sherman has just been a presence that I love to watch every single day of practice and the the main example I have right now is I think his name's Ross Reynolds. I, you know, and a shame on me for not knowing it, but he's, a, he's like a third string linebacker, probably not going to make the roster. His chances are very good. He will not. Uh, he made a play on, I think it was day two of training camp where he made a, he either made a huge hit or he batted down a ball, one or the other. And Richard Sherman just comes charging out onto the field, five, 10 yards out onto the field, just fired up over the play that this third string linebacker just made. And this is a guy who, could take every single play off and unplug when he's not on the field. I mean, because his his spot is established. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't need to learn from anybody else's reps anymore. At least I would say that. He would not tell you that. He would tell you that he needs to learn from every single rep he ever sees. But the guy is just so plugged in and he's watching every single rep and he's constantly looking for how he can help the team. And that is an impressive thing to say about somebody who spent the most of his career Hating the 49ers and loving to be the person that beat them, you know, and driving them in the ground. Now he's, in my opinion, he's one of their most valuable players. So that's one thing I definitely want to say about Sherman. It's the only thing I'm going to say about the cornerbacks for now is the fact that he has really stood out to me. One, he's playing much better. He looks like he's moving so much more freely. And he just, his his leadership off the field is just insane to me. And it's just it's just something that the value of it can't be overstated from a locker and, and roster standpoint.
2: Right, yeah, he, he brings that in. Hopefully he he brings some of that leadership to the, the safety position because right now it's really up in the air. We, we've seen Colbert kind of get into a competition with uh, Tarverius Moore. We're waiting on Jimmy Ward to come back and really even just see what he is. Um, I think Tart has been solid as a box uh, guy, he really good in the box. But, you know, as a too high guy or with any other safeties, I haven't seen them knock any passes away. Have you? I mean, that, that's been my biggest thing. Who's going to knock a ball away? Right, um, and it doesn't even. There was one that right. hit the ground and it was it was uh, George Kittle. I mean, but he like, dropped it and then the safety was kind of there to like finish and make sure he knocked the ball away. I mean, outside of that. They're not making any plays. That was my biggest concern. Um, I was talking to somebody on Twitter, and and I just tweeted out, like, guys that make plays, like, they, it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. They've been making plays. We saw, like, the Honey Badger be so good, you know, especially early on with the Cardinals. Well, he made a ton of plays for LSU. You know, Juan Thornhill, we've been hearing about how well he's been doing in camp in Kansas City. Juan Thornhill made it ton of plays, you know, with Virginia and, you know, uh, even a cornerback like Jimmy Moreland who went to a small school and he's getting interception after interception in the Redskins camp. Well, Jimmy Moreland led, he he has the all time record for interceptions at his college. He went to, I think it was like James Madison. So, you know, guys that make plays, they've been making plays. And so far from what we've seen, Colbert, he barely played at uh, Texas and Miami. Right was never a, a guy that forced turnovers or got takeaways. Jimmy Ward, uh, I, I don't think he was a big uh, high ratio turnover guy. Uh, Tart, like you know, it, it's just like so. Now we're telling these guys, "Oh, you need to make plays!" All of a sudden, and that's not something that they've been accustomed to doing. So, um, I think that's my biggest issue with the with the safety position. Who's gonna make a play? Because you know the way the NFL is right now, it's a pass happy league, and the offense is gonna get theirs. But the way to stop that is take the ball away, and right now the Forty ers especially at the safety position, don't have guys that take the ball away.
1: I think that's fair, and and one thing I would like to say too is about the safeties is there haven't even there hasn't even been a lot of plays where I felt like the they were even in the equation of making a play. And that just kind of goes a little bit back to what we said earlier about just how insane the defensive line is played and kind of the linebackers have been there to clean stuff up. And everything kind of in front of these safeties has been going really well. And I haven't even seen – there's been only a, really a couple plays that I can think of where a safety was even in position to make a play. Now, that could be a knock on them and the fact that they weren't there to, to make whatever play was given to them, or it's just the fact that the defense is playing well enough to where the safeties don't have to do that much. But but I think you do have a point in the fact that none of the guys they have back there right now has, has made any sort of a – you know, has established that they are a playmaker. So if if they're going to become one, it's going to happen now and it's going to happen in front of us, and that's going to be kind of their rise up. But so far we haven't seen any of them that have proven that they can do that on any kind of a consistent basis. So it'll be interesting to watch it develop. So that takes us through the roster. We've gone through every single position and how they've kind of shown out in training camp. Uh, Is there anything else, Crocker, that's on your mind that you want to touch on before we... Before we sign off, until next time.
2: Nah, not not yet. Just looking forward to some uh, you know upcoming practices and and just seeing what strides guys make. You know, especially the rookie receivers and how much more they get involved. How much more do they involve Richie James? That that's going to be my big uh, thing that I, I, I want to pay attention to moving forward. So, nah, you know I. I right now, I'm looking forward to seeing the offense kind of catch up. You have a week to do it until it's time for those Cowboys to roll in. And, you know, they're going to come in guns blazing. So, um, yeah, man, I'm just excited to kind of see what's next.
1: Right. So right now the 49ers have uh, tomorrow, the 31st, Wednesday, the 49ers have a day off. And then they come back and they have four more padded practices. And then they have another day off. And then I believe they have three practices. And then they have a day off. And that is August 9th which is a Friday, and then August 10th on that Saturday is when they play their first preseason game against the Dallas Cowboys who are traveling to Levi Stadium. So with that being said, that is it for my friend Crocker and I. This is our first episode under the, the striking gold banner, which we're excited about. Um, our plan Strike is, to,
2: goal, baby. I know
1: it. it gets me pumped up just to say it, but our plan is to bring <laughs> two of these every week. One will be quarterbacked by Kevin Jones who established this podcast. The Kevin Jones podcast is where this comes from. Um, it's a rebrand. Um, so the, I think Kevin Jones is planning on his podcast to kind of be a reactionary podcast to the sun, to the game that just happened that week. And then me and Croc will, we will probably jump into some of those episodes sometimes and then we will have our own episode throughout the week where we kind of talk about the implications of the next game you know preview the next game what's going to happen so that's our general plan right now Uh, i'm pumped to be here i'm pumped to be a part of the blue wire network it's growing like crazy they started you know taking on investors that are also pumped about the product obviously so i'm excited to be here I'm excited to be on a podcast with two other voices that I respect very much. That are going to bring new things to the new to the table, new ways of thinking about it. And you know, we all have different viewpoints, and that to me creates interesting content. So, like I said, that is it for Crocker and I, and the Strike and Gold podcast. And we will see you guys uh, uh, next week.